So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and share in the Holy Spirit. Now taste of the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God for their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless, and there is to be cursed, and its end is to be ruined. Awesome. Later, would you pray for us? Yeah, later. All right, so, Father God, Lord, we just uh, thank you so much for today. Uh, Father Lord, I thank you for this table, for us to be around it. Uh, thank you for this home, that you may bless it. Uh, Father Lord, I pray that uh, a blessing over Crosspoint, uh, Lord, that each of us got here a specific way, Lord, that your Holy Spirit has guided us each in a specific way. Father, let us pray over this time that we get to retain certain things that um, only that you can do through and in us. Uh, Father, Lord, and I just thank you uh, that, uh, that we get to express our faith in such a way. Uh, so uh, bring up questions, Lord, that we could grow in our faith and uh, just uh, make understanding be found here as well. So we just bless this time. Amen. Amen. To ask you guys a question, what is a fear you have that if done, it's irreversible? <laughs> a theory you have that if done it's irreversible mm-hmm. like you're saying a theory a fear a fear oh, a fear. Like theory or fear oh I fear. Fear, fear, fear with F like a theory I was like well the bulldoze rolls down a hill I was like oh wait <laughs> mine would be like accidentally killing somebody yeah. mm-hmm. like with a car accident or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I feel like mine is way more selfish. I would be willing to spend money improperly. Just like, yeah. Yeah. Like I've I've gotten to this point in my life, and I look back and I'm like, oh, like my kids are not doing what God wants them to do, and my like family is not in that place. And like I've been a failure through all of this. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, big fear, I think, that God started letting me see like where I can start trusting Him now is the understanding that God is trustworthy, and um, the fear of not coming back to God mm-hmm. when you feel far away from Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I, like, just the fear of like standing before him and him just being like, "I never knew you," mm-hmm. and just like having uh-huh. to like live with that for eternity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eternity. Yeah. I think it was actually this verse that years ago, when I didn't really understand the gospel or God, and I had I thought I'd come to know Him. And then I went back to my ways, and I was like, man, I'm out. <laughs> I, got, I think it really was this verse. It was like, you tasted what was good. So it's like, that's a huge fear, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Lost of Life Salvation. Which Lost of Salvation. That's, now I know it's been cleared up, but it, you know it's like <laughs> no, but that's that's, that's totally but, no, legit. In like the Christian church, like loss of salvation is a huge fear yes. for a lot of believers. So, we, I mean, and we need to address what happens in four to six because a plain reading sounds scary. Yeah, but that's a good call. And on that, I've got a buddy who doesn't like the Baptist Church because he's heard from Baptists. The preaching saying that one can lose their salvation. Yeah. yeah. Wait, in Baptist? Yep. Yeah. All it takes is a couple churches, right? You know, we, we always we always use this description. Uh, all, all, he's heard from Baptist preachers that you can lose your salvation. Yeah. So if you're if you're Armenian instead of Armenian, well, yeah, sorry, Armenian, instead yeah, of Calvinist, there are a lot of we call them more like indie fundies that are very Armenian and they will say no you can yeah independent fundamentals too much of a of a mouthful so yeah so um some they typically fall in that category yes mm-hmm. yeah but not not all KJV only would say you could lose your salvation but like you know as soon as you want to have a discussion about churches. We always go back. I always go back to the Westboro Baptist Church, right? Yeah. It's one family. It's really one man. I'm it's not even Kansas. really a church. I'm from Kansas. But my, my point is this. <laughs> the Westboro Baptist Church has sent such a message that this is what the Baptist Church represents. In, in spite of 99.9% of the Baptist Church looking at what that church does and saying absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But because it's a vocal representative, that's all it takes for someone to look away. I know, I know I've talked to Pastor Matt about you know, some of the reasons that they changed the name of the church. Right. And one of the chief reasons was to get Baptist out of the name. Because there's so many connotations yeah. mm-hmm. um, yep. with bab- Baptists sure. that have gone on. And, and there's a lot of great ones too. And yeah. I would say a lot of people in this room probably have a positive view of it, right? But all it takes is one really bad experience with someone who was abused in the church when they were little. Right. Who was shut, who the door was shut in their face. To, to have this view of a Baptist and say, I don't want to affiliate with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a fear realized. One yeah. church has made every Baptist church yeah. be viewed that way, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, right, there's, there's things that can happen that's irreversible. Think about this question as we talk tonight. How, how good is your grip? Odd question, but just, just think about it. Brett, brain, what you said? Grip. 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 Solid food, yeah. right? The the we've said this author is a pastor. He's writing with the pastoral heart to this group. The the hearers should be able to hear deeper truth, right? We've talked about the priesthood of Christ, like not a simple teaching, and yet he's teaching them to this and saying we should be able to go further, but we're not. We're still at basic teaching we're still going over the basics list basic teachings 
think through that. What what is something we teach new believers? What's something we Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Holy Trinity. Trinity, right? We none of us have graduated from Trinity understanding. <laughs> Brandon understands it though. He told me the other day. <laughs> Three leaf clover. Just <laughs> <laughs> Right? Uh, so, come on, Patrick. <laughs> I know. So, right? Basic. Advanced teachings. Yeah. Uh, examples. Yeah, doctrines of grace. Kenosis, right? Soteriology. Peccability, impeccability. All that stuff. Huh? Would chastising be advanced? Uh, how to carry that out, I guess, about, yeah. Like, I don't know. I've never thought about chastising until just recently. I mean, I always wondered about it, but I didn't believe until just recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, what always gets me is God's definition of love. That, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, am I loving my brother when I let him sin, or am I loving my brother when I convict him of his sin? Oh, Because yeah. you're inflicting pain in the process. Right, yeah. right. It's not, it's not, it's not like... I'm doing it out of kindness, in kindness, but it still is damaging to to his earthly heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Basic, right, in that God loves mm-hmm. us. God loves us. Advanced in that, how do we do this, right? And so, therefore, we should be here, we're not, but he says, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. How is he going... To push them out of immaturity, right? We were all once babies on breast milk, right? We were all there, and at some point we were weaned off of it. None of us remember, I think, us being babies. We probably didn't want to be weaned off of it, but we had to be for our growth. We had to be to grow into the people we are today. How is he going to push them out? He's going to give them truth. He's going to give them truth that's hard to understand. Make them grasp it so they could go on toward maturity, right? Just as preachers today, they preach to the sheep, to the people, so they may understand. There's also a level, though, where it's like over your head. Like he's teaching and it's just like, whoa, where is this coming out of? Remember it? T4G is Kevin DeYoung talking about the immutability of God. One, I've never heard the word immutability. Still have a hard time saying it. And most of that sermon, I needed a dictionary to figure out what words actually were. But it made me realize, right, I did not know the immutability of God. How that was important in my life because it was 50 minutes of just solid truth. I had no idea what it was. So maybe why, why am I calling it solid? I didn't even know, right? But... The last five minutes was like, here's why it's practical. And it was like, knife, chest, like, wow. Right? It's the job of the preacher, I think, to push the sheep to advance in truth and knowledge. Stuff that's harder to understand, right? Our pastor should be one of the most knowledgeable people in God's word, knowing God's word. That, Right? We can go to him and ask any question we want. He may not know the answer, but he knows more than than most i would say and still learning right just as we all should be learning but his exhortation right verse one not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works 
and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits, right? When you build a house, there's a process, right? Whether it's a slab or a basement, right? The, the foundation's got to be laid. And then I'm not a construction person, so I'm not sure what's actually next. But there's, <laughs> there's a process, right? The builders aren't just laying the foundation and then they're coming back to the drawing board. It's like, okay, lay another foundation. Yeah. Drawing boards. The, is the framing. framing next? Okay. So framing is apparently <laughs> next, right? They'll, they'll just keep laying a foundation and then on Zillow, you're like, here's a house. Yeah. Eight foundations. Like, right? We don't get there. But he's saying we don't keep laying this foundation. And he lists these things that repentance from dead works and faith toward God. And as Christians, right, we are moving along in the process. We're growing in our walk with Christ. We move on from the teachings of Christ, repentance from dead works, but not a move on in the sense of like, we graduate from any truth, yeah. right? We, we continue to grow and deepen our faith in God, but we will visit the basics again, right? I don't know how many times I go through something where I'm like, man, I'm going to read my Bible, boom, 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 and keep reading, and then go through a season where I'm not faithful in the Word, and it's like, got to revisit the basics, got to come back. And so we should be moving on but not graduating from truth, right? And so think of not understanding repentance properly, okay? Mm -hmm. Explain, like, someone explain repentance. It's the work of God, and that's what people don't realize. God God grants us repentance, right? When we repent of sin, we turn away from it. We're free from it. Right? Some of you came over driving, road rage, someone. Afterwards, that was stupid. Repent, turn from. Right? You're forgiven of it. But let's say you don't graduate from. Graduate is the wrong word. If you don't understand repentance properly, what, what can happen? You road rage, you feel really bad, you repent, but then you're still guilty of it. You're still living in shame of it. Relapse into a sin cycle. Relapse, right? I think I think a common one for a lot of men and women can be porn, mm-hmm. fighting, striving not to watch. You you struggle through it. You 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 go back to it. You repent. You turn from it, but then you still live in shame of it. Whether it was, man, I was. Three days strong, and then I, I fell again. And or they keep living in shame. Years or years strong. Yeah. Right? You, you thought you killed it. You thought you killed the sin, and yet you still struggle with it. Understanding repentance properly. You sinned. Yes, you didn't, you didn't hit the mark. Mm-hmm. But you repent, you turn from it, and you live in the freedom that Christ paid the work on the cross. Mm-hmm. And he paid it past, present, in future, right? Yeah. Faith in God. Who do you who do you look to in life? Where do you run to when things get hard? Mm-hmm. Right? Basic teaching, right? We don't graduate from it. We still are constantly trying to turn to God, just constantly on this wide decision of 
we've come to this point of decision. Do I glorify God or glorify self? You make thousands of those decisions day after day. But who do you look to? Are you looking to God? Or are you looking to a former sin? Are you looking to an addiction to something? Are you looking to someone other than God? Something other than God? The pastor here is like, we need to move on from this. We can't keep revisiting this. So Galatians, right, talks about like, here's your desires of your spirit. You know this is where, this is your foundation. These are things that God has given us through his Holy mm. Spirit. But here are things that are desires of the flesh. Like how it's been interpreted to me, understood to me, is like when we crucify the things of the flesh, they are not dead. Mm. They are dying. Mm. They are put on the cross. What happens when something is put on the cross? It wails out. It's going to tempt you more than ever. So now you're running in the opposite direction. What's Satan going to do? Right? He can't create things. He can only pervert things. So he's going to do as much as he can to put you back and take you back to your flesh. Right? So like, my question is, why? when we know the truth, do we run away from the truth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I want to try to answer that. She said it earlier. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We hate the truth. I mean, we by do. nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Causing, uh, causing, there's a scientific term I learned when I was in the hospital, and it's called cognitive dissonance, and it causes people to wake up. <laughs> yeah. So basically, when you figure out that your reality, you have a contradiction with your beliefs, and it's like you kind of have a cross point in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like how you did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did that on purpose. Huh? I, didn't, I didn't even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Pun of words, right? Yeah. I like how um, the end of verse one, faith toward God, uh, when I was a teenager, you can go get ready for bed. Don't mind me. I would be doing my own thing, and then I feel like I would look back to God when I needed help. But like I wasn't orienting my own body toward him. Mm -hmm. I wasn't orienting my my, my life and my desires toward him. I would just look to him. Mm-hmm. So I like that it's toward and not to. Right. It's good. It's also very strong parenting. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, right baptism. Understanding baptism. Some people make it a work. Some people make it part of salvation. The gospel plus baptism equals salvation. Understanding baptism rightly, that it's not a work, it's the first command we get to obey as followers of Jesus, go and be baptized. Go and proclaim on the outside what's happened on the inside. Laying of hands. This isn't like a Aaron's sick and we lay hands on him. This is more of a, when someone was called to serve, there was a, a laying of hands commissioning that brother or sister to go and serve. The expectation, I think, for all of us is that we will be servants. The author here, as a pastor, I can't, we can't keep pushing believers to be serving. We can't keep begging Christians who are supposed to be servant-minded to be servants, to serve in the church, to serve your brothers and sisters. Like We need to quit laying this foundation of you guys should be servant-minded. Resurrection of the dead, to, to move on to the word of God, right? End times. We can study every 
thing in Revelation, everything of like what's coming to an end. But ultimately, our application of studying end times is praise the Lord. He wins. Satan loses. Right. Moving on from that and moving to the word of God, moving to other doctrines and teachings to help us live out this walk until such a time may come right we the bible keeps saying it's the day is coming the day is near the eternal judgment getting past judgment verse three we will do this if god permits similar teaching to james in that everything we do is a lord willing if god permits all of you are here at bible study because god permitted for you to be here, that you wouldn't come in a car crash, that you wouldn't suffer from something that would cause you to not be here. God permitted. We can't assume the future. And right, he's pushing them to understand everything we do, everything should be depended on God. Everything we do is based off God who sustains our life, who Right, We all have a start date. We will all have the day he will call us home. He is the sustainer of our life. And this pastor, he's confident that these listeners will, will leave the elementary doctrines. He's going to push them to move on to the word of God. And as a church, right, we push one another to move on, to grow in our, in our relationship with the Lord. We all should be individually striving to grow but then pushing one another, right? Different seasons of life causes different things to happen where our, our motivations are wrong, they're misguided, and we need our brothers and sisters to correct us, to come around us. The Galatians, um, it, says it commands them to carry one another's burdens. We all have our backpack we're carrying. And I don't know if you've all been backpacking, but in Boy Scouts, you would pack 20 pounds, and then you were given camp gear. Those, if you were strong, another 20 pounds. If you were a wuss, three pounds, right? <laughs> carrying 40 pounds and carrying 10 pounds is very different. But sometimes the, the burdens of life comes on us where that 40-pound pack becomes a 90-pound pack. And we just can't keep going. And it's where our brothers and sisters come around us and help us walk through the burdens we're carrying until that backpack becomes manageable until that 90 pounds comes down to 40 pounds again until it comes down to 30 pounds again we push one another to grow and that's where this warning of spiritual immaturity comes into a dangerous warning verses four to eight as as joe mentioned a, a, a text that's very serious a text that from a plain reading Look at verse 4. It is impossible. And what is impossible? In the case of those who have been once enlightened, tasted the heavenly gift, have shared in the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the word of God, and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Plain reading. It's impossible for what? The believer, the believer can be described as being enlightened. They've tasted the heavenly gift, eternal life. They've shared in the Holy Spirit. They've tasted the word of God. 
They've tasted the power of the coming age. Just a, just a little sidetrack. No, what, what's the danger in reading our Bible wrongly, out of context, misguided? What's the danger? False truth. False truth. We'll lead others into error. Lead others into error. I mean, if you read, I mean, this verse could really make it seem like if you sinned or if you turned away from the gospel for mm-hmm. a period of time, that there's no chance for you to come back into the mm-hmm. Christ. And there's people that believe that. I mean, Joe, what did you say? I'm out? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you go to church the next 80 years of your life. Mm-hmm. Every sermon the gospel is calling yeah. you to repent and believe, and you're like, I'm out. Joe, no hope. If you, leave, if you live to 109, I'll be really impressed. <laughs> My great grandpa was 90. There it is. 19 more years, right? We always read a passage, or we should read a passage based off the text, right? We should never read a passage in light of our theology, what we already believe, what other scriptures may say, keeping a system consistent, right? We always want to come to the Bible. Take all of that away, just come to a, a plain reading, and then later do the, do the exegetical work. Do the cross-referencing, doing the word studies, whatever we need to do to understand the text rightly. So there's four main interpretations of what happened in this text. There's the uh, hypothetical case. The, the pastor's only trying to correct a wrong idea that... They're thinking wrongly about this. Correct that thinking and live. You're getting too worked up about it. You're getting too anxious about this. There's the saved lost interpretation. A saved person can lose his salvation. A saved person can fall away. There's this third, a non-Christian or a false profession interpretation. They never genuinely believed. And then four, there's the the castaway believer. They just sinned so much. They, they were hardened in their sin. They had no feeling of their sin anymore. And they just lived. Not When they, when they sin, there's no feeling of wrong. So, right. And from a plain reading, right? For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, right? Jesus, we can describe him as one who was enlightened, one who tasted the heavenly gift. Jesus tasted death for us. Right? So, reading this, the third view, the non-Christian false profession view, it's it's hard to say that that unbelieving person, right, been enlightened, have tasted the heavenly gift, have shared in the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness, the word. It's hard, I think, for us to say that's an unbeliever. But, right, this text isn't clear. I think we can all say, like, there's confusion, especially from a plain read. We take other scriptures then to come in here, right? Go to John 10 really quick.
What does Jesus say in verse 27 to 30? 27 to 30? Yeah. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I am the Father of all. Amen. So, no one includes yourself. yourself, right? Even you can't snatch yourself out of the Father's hand. What was Paul's declaration in Romans 8 at the end? For I know that neither angels, death, principalities, and a bunch of other things listed that I don't have the verse memorized, right? None of it can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus... The work he did, right? Paid our sins, past, present, and future. The work is final. The work is complete. And so we look at a Hebrews 6 passage like this, where it makes it sound like believers can lose their salvation. Ultimately, John 10, which is really clear, right? No one can snatch me out of the Father's hand. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. Whoever has truly confessed Jesus as Lord, repent of their sins, right? They can't be snatched out. So what's here? Right? What's going on with four through eight? I just want to say real quick that it says that uh, they shared in the Holy Spirit, not possessed mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Not the, the Holy Spirit indwelled them. Mm-hmm. So I think being in a group of believers, you know, you can get around a group of sinners and start acting like a sinner mm-hmm. and they're going to believe it. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of times we don't want to think people in possibly someone in this room is in the dream. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but yeah. yeah, for sure. So one more passage. Go to Matthew 13. One of you is reading in Luke and then one in John, right? Was anyone in Matthew? You were in Matthew. So you already did Matthew 13, right? Parable of the sower. Right? What? Funny, right? Jesus teaches this parable and the disciples are like, what's up? Like, <laughs> we got no idea what's going on here. And then it gets to verse 10 and the purpose, not verse 10, verse 18 Right, so I someone want to read 18 to 23. I can. Okay. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one whom the seed was sown beside the road. One on whom the seed was sown on the rock of places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but is only temporarily. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one with whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, and the worry of the world, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one with whom the seed was sown among the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit, and brings forth some hundredfold, hundredfold some sixty, and some thirty. Four groups. Right? How many are saved? One. One. Right? There's three not saved groups, but at very different times. Right? One is just 
Simply, they don't understand, they don't believe, and it's snatched away. Right? One is, you can maybe describe it as like emotion-driven, feeling-driven. They are excited, but no root takes place. Right? So all the excitement will fade out, and it's gone. Another one seems to sort of take root, but then the weeds strangle it. The distractions and the... This world gets to them. Strongholds. Right? Trials, distractions, as Harrison said. Right? When sharing the gospel with someone, you're looking at someone who could be one of the four groups. They could believe. They could take root. They could bear fruit. It could be someone that looks like they're saved. And later on in life, you'll find out they never truly were. Or it's just someone who just plainly rejects what you believe. And they will, not, they will go on in this life not believing. Right? And I think one of the hardest things for me to, to wrestle with this text was the original hearers in Hebrews. Understand they probably have the Old Testament. We're not sure what other letters they had. They read this text. No John, no Matthew, because more than likely written before 70. Right? So they read this. Do they have a, a feeling like Joe? I'm out. Do they have a feeling where it's just like, I've done too much wrong. I I can't I can't do this. I don't think this pastor wrote this to where people would then identify themselves as ones being out. But one, the pastor wrote this to motivate these hearers to keep living in light of what Jesus did on the cross. Living in light of God's word, obeying the scriptures, bearing fruit in all things, and striving to do that. Right? How often are we thinking about bearing fruit in all things? Maybe we do some works over here that bear fruit, some stuff over here. But our whole life's not really, that's just too much. That's, it's too much to give our whole life to Christ, our, our time, our money, right? It's, it's too much. And this, right, go on to verse 7. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it produces a crop useful to those whose sake it's cultivated receives a blessing from God, but if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be being, its end is to be burned. Believers who are faithful in all that God commands and all that God calls you to do can be confident of their position in Christ. They can have assurance that they are saved. And those that don't, Right? Only God knows who's saved. Right? We can look at someone's life and see fruit or not see fruit. And we can say to someone, brother, you're doing, you're doing well. Run the race well. Or, hey, you, you haven't been bearing fruit. You have no biblical assurance that you're saved. You're claiming to be saved, but the way you live, there's no claim of assurance and right coming back to our point of we strive together 
We strive individually to grow. We strive together to grow, to help carry one another's burdens, to help push one another to grow. When there's someone who just doesn't look like they're bearing fruit, as Harrison talked about his friend and telling him the truth, even though it hurts, right? Sometimes it's going gonna, it's gonna to require getting awkward with people and just saying, brother, sister, you are not bearing fruit. And it ends relationships. It ends relationships. It ends years worth of, yeah. Sorry, I was trying to... No, no, you're good. So, I mean, the, the text that like, I go back to when you're talking about finding salvation, professes, if you profess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart, then you will be saved, right? If you're not understanding, okay, you profess with your mouth, God, I can see that. You declare it to your heart. I can't see that because I don't know the heart. So is that what you mean by Jesus is the only one that can know that because he's the only one that knows the heart. Yeah. Right, so so then there's, so when we see, see that, and yes, they're pointing in the wrong direction, I mean, it's it's brotherly love, Baleo, when you're guiding them. Mm. You know, like that's something you can rest in, in the desires of God's grace and God's love for you, that you did the right thing, despite the chastisement that they declared on you for, you know, like persecuting them. Mm-hmm. It's always the truth. Really. Right, right. Yeah. That's One thing I've, I've been thinking about the, the whole time through this is First John. It says that you know he who says he's let out sin, the truth is not in him. But it also says that they went out from us so that we would know that they were not of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that what both of those are saying and what this is saying, obviously we have context, so it becomes easier to say, is that ultimately it is the perseverance and the byproduct of Christ in our life that that mm-hmm. allows us to, I mean, for the sake it's cultivated, receive the blessing from God, right? But if it doesn't, it bears thorns and thistles. It's evident to us as believers to then see mm-hmm. the separation physically, emotionally, mentally, and kind of continue down that track. For sure. I have a I have a really good quote here because just because we've been talking about it, it's written, but like in old English. So, fourthly. If you were as dead as you imagine yourself to be, from sorry, it's a photo. Uh, from whence then does this displeasure with your condition and your sorrowful brooding and your languishing proceed? A dead person does not have any feelings. However, the fact that you are sensible of your insensitivity shows that there will be life, though it be feeble. I think that it's the same thing for the unforgivable sin, right? The fact that you maybe at some point will worry, did I do that? Is that something that I've done? Same thing here. The fact that you are concerned about it is in itself a sign that you have a heart in you that is desiring God. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, yeah. that's all But then with that, though, there can also, like, yes, I can see what you mean with the fear, but I believe someone can also fear I'm going to hell and not fear I'm separated from God. Yes, I yeah. think, and I think that if they were to fear, they would be fearing it more of those selfish intent. They would be right. feeling, oh, I fear God, not because I'm going to heaven, I fear God because I'm going to hell. Right. Mm-hmm. But I agree with that for sure. Um, but, so, like, a verse I want to capitalize on is Hebrews 6, is verse 6. It says, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God, their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Right? So like that word contempt, like I use this app called Logos. Um, you've probably heard of it. 
Rhodos, um, three Greek words for the, that mean contempt, uh, or like is despise, disdain, and another one is disgrace publicly. And so like these are things, like how I read it, the first definition when you're speaking of four was like reading it straight through, it almost feels like he's trying to teach, as a preacher with shepherding, he's trying to teach like, hey, we, like sheep, we go astray so we can come back. So like a shepherd would teach us in a way of going astray and coming back. This, mm. I see that same, I see the same language um, because he talks about, here's all of these things that when you accept Jesus in your life, these are things that are added unto you through God, from God. In a sense of turning away from God, um, in the case of those who have been, uh, is possible, like to fall away. What he's saying is it's impossible. It's, impo- it's possible to fall away. It's impossible to crucify him again. It's impossible to contempt against him because he did it for you and it's final. You can't lose your salvation. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's how I read it. He's trying to show you what he's done for you. This should show you again. You can't lose it. Mm-hmm. Contempt. Yeah. And that's where I think this motivation is. The believers hearing this, whether they feel like they're out or lost, like, push forward, push to glorify the Lord in all that you do. If you're not bearing fruit, be worried, be concerned, but push forward to to live for the Lord. And I, yeah. And so I think there's several encouragements from this chat. Um, I think that that, I could be wrong, but that verse was written, well, it's, the book of Hebrews is to the Hebrews, right? So the Jews that were, there was Jews that were turning and going back to the old Judea, Judea law. So most of the mm-hmm. time that they did that, they didn't come back. Right. I think I've read before that mm-hmm. to restore them to repentance would be impossible because they weren't going to come back. Right, because they, they're going, we've had two groups here. Those leaving because of the Old Testament system and those because of yeah. persecution. They're going back to be Jews and they weren't going to come back. Like, yeah, yeah. They, they believe this... Old Testament system was better. So they tasted and then denied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so. note on that, um, <clears throat> verse 6, um, that is one verse that actually condemns the Catholic Church um, with their doctrine. Because there is doctrine within the Catholic Church that how they do the Mass is the priests, and this is whether or not some Catholics believe this will vary. But according to doctrine, this coming from what I've heard from um, John MacArthur, but in their doctrine, it says that when the priest is doing the mass, he's taking Christ down from heaven and re-sacrificing him. So it's a new sacrifice each time the Catholic Church does mass, which is... Harshly condemned in scripture. But under their system, you can have two truths which really just negate each other, cancel each other out. You've got like the half authority of scripture and the half authority of the church. Yeah. Which they elevate the church. Like, well, Peter, back to the last, last, last week's sermon, Peter is the rock of the church, right? So it's like, yeah, if you get that wrong, then you get, you know, 400 years. 2,000 years down the line and you've got a whole bunch of weird traditions because there's a, there's a dual authority there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Transubstantiation. Yeah. It's a long word. 
strong. Yeah, that was a relevant. Oh, relevant yeah, I, that's something very relevant. Yeah, I um, yeah, that's something I was with like Little Rock. I, I got to be in a coffee shop, super cool, Shoppies, a little bit Harrison, over there. Um, anyways, they like little places, little seeds of God's righteousness. Mm -hmm. We can be Little Rock. Yeah. You know, we yeah, won't yeah. be Petra, Big Rock. That's not for us. Right. We're not to be God. That's for our nature to understand. When we understand that, understanding humility, like God came down from high to low for us to understand that we are not higher than Him, then we can now receive humility. Mm -hmm. Humility is not a nature that we are respondent of. You know, that's not correspondent to sin, right? So I think that's such a good analogy, Little Rock, Peter, understanding that Little Rock, yeah. it's good enough, but it's not foundational. Meaning, yeah. hey, we can be built upon, so we can be Little Rocks. I think that's, I love that a lot. Mm -hmm. So, several encouragements, I think, from <laughs> Hebrews 6. Right, there, there are new believers. There's people who've come to Christ recently, and they are laying a foundation, and they should be laying a foundation, just as we talked about last week. Some need to be on milk, not on meat. But there's another encouragement to move on to maturity, to continue, not keep laying a foundation, not keep going over basic teachings, but moving on to more advanced teaching, pushing yourself. Right, because what, what we believe about the Bible, that the Holy Spirit reveals to us the intended meaning of the Word of God. It takes work to depend on the Spirit to illuminate the text to us, to help us understand. Right? There's an encouragement to keep pushing forward. And then that encouragement to live imitating Christ. To live try, striving to be like Him. Seeing the example He set for us in the Gospel, seeing what Paul and Peter and James and John and the theology they've laid out. The commands in Scripture, we obey. The, the calling God has put on us, we obey and follow, striving to be like Him. And all of us together, right, need to do that in community, in a church, with other believers, right, to where we're reading Scriptures and we read something like Hebrews 6, and it's like, can believers lose their salvation? We rein each other in like, no, you can't. When you read something about the Trinity and you're like, oh, is God like three different gods? No, no, right? Help them one another.